Say that's podcast for your big questions, get real answers. My name is Matt King. I'm your host here in the city of Chicago. Joining me here is Ben Fitzgerald, the president of Mission USA. Buffering. Oh, you bring that one back. Yeah, it's like, you know, if my computer can do it to me, I can do it to the rest of the world. That's a, that's a running joke from the first hundred episodes wow. Wow. of this here show, which I think Glenn may have forgotten he used to do by the look on his face. I definitely forgot. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even remember that one. Also joining us, Jed Brewer, the director of Mission USA Productions. All data is loaded. That sounded like a threat. Oh, you know what I meant. Fair enough. Joining us, all the Perkins since the one of the pastors of Christ Community Church, the younger. Look, it's been a minute since I've been on this show, and I just want to say that all the hatred towards candy corn needs to stop right now. That's what I'm talking about. Uh, if you man. don't want your candy corn, send it to me. I'll take right. it. Just stop Hello. hating on it. Just yeah. stop hating on it. It's made with honey. Okay. What don't you like about that? Look, it's made of it's candy and it has honey in it. So everybody, right. calm down. Everybody, calm down because or send it to us. You know what? It, you know we're tired of the the hatred and the negativity. Wow, that's right. I'm trying to keep it positive. Yeah. You know what's positive? Candy. Well, yep. Candy is positive. You know what's not candy? Candy corn. Whoa! <laughs> See, this is what this is what we're fighting right this here. This is all I'm saying. This is the attitude. That kind we're of fighting. ignorance. First, they had a war on Christmas. Now they're trying to have a war on Halloween with candy corn. Right. I like candy. I like corn. You right. put them together. That's two great tastes. Taste great together. Yeah, you okay. know it's neither candy nor corn. Candy corn. Because you know it's wow. one of your it's one of your vegetables. They no say right. you got to eat right. more vegetables. Yeah. Boom. Inaccurate. Done. That's how I get mine. Candy corn. Yep. You know. I mean, it's just problem solved. Yeah, do, you, do you eat five, si- five servings of candy corn a day? <laughs> <laughs> That's not good. Here's what I'm trying to tell you about candy corn. Tell me. It gives you energy. Yes, it does. That's, That's good. made with honey. That's yeah. right. Yeah. yeah. That's a natural. Uh... I don't think candy corn's ever given anyone energy. <laughs> hey, and you know how Matt. they look a little bit like teeth? Yeah, right? That's right. right? Uh-huh. All right. Well, you know, you know, it gives you good teeth. Okay. That's right. No, it's not yep. how that works. Yep. Yep, Hel- yep. It's for dental hygiene. Yep. It's for it's for, it's, for it's a health food. And no. just because Matt hates joy doesn't mean the rest of us have to be down no. on candy corn. Well, I don't hate well, I do hate joy, but that's unrelated to this. <laughs> I hate wax that people want to try to trick me into eating. If Crest made a candy corn flavored toothpaste, Come would on. I use it? Yes, I would. Somebody get to work on that right now. Candy exactly. corn toothpaste is that is the medical dental breakthrough that the twenty first century needs. Why wow. am I not using that right now? Look, folks, as a man who has recently spent a decent amount of time and money on some dental work, I can't stress this enough. Don't melt down candy corn and rub that on your teeth. Now, it sounds like that's what Jed's saying, is he wants to I, that, that's exactly where my candy brain corn down going. Green a, light a paste it. and yeah. just rub that on your gums. Right. Uh, angel investors, pay attention. Is that, A, that's not going to work. It's right. going to be expensive. It's yeah. going to be painful. Yeah. And it's going to smell awful. Well, I, I'm i not so sure. But it would de- be Give a delicious. A <laughs> yeah, it would be delicious. I mean, that's like, what a way to go. Wow, I didn't even <laughs> say it was going to be fatal. I think you're undermining your own <laughs> argument there. How much candy corn are you planning on uh, brushing your teeth with there, Glenn? All of it. <laughs> look, look, we're Just all... Just a garbage bag full of candy yep. corn. This yep. is the truth. It's dark, but this is the truth of the human condition. We all got to go sometime. Yep. But with candy corn toothpaste, you can go happy. 
That's, that's right. That, thank you. Yes. That's a philosophy I can get by. Yes. Wow. <laughs> Die. The Brewer the Nietzsche Advertising Agency over here. <laughs> slip away to a sugar coma with a grin on your face. You stare into the corn long enough, the corn stares back at you. That's uh, why people tune into this show, man. That deep right. advice and wisdom. That's right. And here's the thing. When you, when, when you think like, you know, I'm kind of cooling off on candy corn a little bit, you go to those pumpkins. And you know yeah. what I'm talking about. Yeah, that's pumpkins. right. That's that right. gets you back going. That's right. Light you light it up with those pumpkins, man. That's right. Yep. Yep. I, I eating a raw pumpkin would be more tasty than eating <laughs> one of those candy corn pumpkins. But that's really neither here nor there because we've gotten off on an unhinged rant before we even got to our scheduled unhinged rant. Ooh, sorry. Also, we've uh we had some recent interviews with some our friends Derek Mason and Cody Carnes. So, mm. uh, when we do an interview, often you know someone will see like, "Oh, I like, you know, Derek Derek Miner. I keep wanting to call him Derek Mason, who's the uh, coach of the Vanderbilt football team, Derek Miner, they'll turn in and say, I like that guy. And he retweet, he kindly retweeted the link. So I'll check this out. So if we had any new uh, listeners from that, they're gone now. Not anymore. So now it's just you and us, hardcore super fans who put up, <laughs> know what to expect to put up with this nonsense. And if you are a hardcore super fan who happens to live in the West Chicago suburbs and listens to this on the day it comes out, which uh-huh. is really a, a coalescence of super fan things. If you happen to be anywhere near Downers Grove, Illinois, on the day this comes out, so that'll be Wednesday, November the 8th, um, you can head on over to the Panera Bread over there on Ogden Avenue in Downers Grove, Illinois, between 4 and 8, and uh, when you buy your Panera, your sandwich, maybe a soup, maybe both, we don't judge, maybe a nice combo, maybe you just want a bagel, that's cool, maybe you just want a nice pastry, you've earned that, I think. Do they serve candy corn? Maybe. That's now I'm interested. Like a candy corn salad. That would be. Would would that just be candy corn? Is that just what you call candy corn? Yeah. A candy corn salad? Yep. That's kind of what I thought. Uh, (laughs) So if you're over there, maybe they have candy corn. We don't know. You can ask. Okay. Uh, Whatever you buy over there, 20% of that will go to your friends here at Mission USA. Wow. And the bridge. So if you happen to be over there, the Panera, Downers Grove, Illinois, uh, for a limited time only, you can help out your fr- old friends at the bridge. So that's a nice thing. That's amazing. Yeah. yeah. Well, I don't know that I fully understand it. It sounds like you're saying we have a Panera's now. Whoa. Nope. Yeah, I like think... we're taking it over. Like it's ours. It's like we go in there and like whatever happens, we get the money. Right. Like we're the bosses of it. Right. I, th- I think I explained it to the point of over explaining it. For a four hour period at one location, we get 20% of the money. So we own our own Panera now. Nope, Here's nice. what I'm saying. Everybody listen to this right now. Crouton's on me. Ooh, <laughs> okay. that's nice. You go to Panera's in uh, Downers Grove. Yes. On Butterfield Road. Ogden. On Ogden, that one. Yeah. And you tell them, I'm here for free croutons. Yeah, Fitz said I get free croutons. Boom, done. Yeah, yeah that's They'll right. They'll hook you up. That's right. Well, well, you got to pay for the salad, of course, but you know this. I feel like there's so many possibilities here. We need to declare something before we jump into this. Well, what, we, what is it? Well, I think I think you're the right man to declare it. This is what happens when we have a rant before the rant we told Glenn about before the show. <laughs> of all the things you could declare, Glenn, what what feels to you like it would be the right thing? I declare an emergency. Episode two hundred and ninety-three. <laughs> And Here's still, nothing gives Glenn more joy than pretending like he doesn't know how the show works. Here's what I'm saying is, uh, 
Okay, here's what, like in uh, New York, they have like those delis, you know? Sure, yeah. Okay. And you get to, everywhere. like if they like you a lot, yeah. and they think you're cool, yeah. and you're like a famous person, they right. name a sandwich after you. Absolutely. Oh, nice. So I think we got to start naming dishes at the Panera's after our, our own selves. Okay, well, what's, this is what's on the Fitzgerald? Well, uh, candy corn. Well, obviously, yes. It, well, here's what it is. Toasted bagel. Okay. 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 And you get like a... What you do is you have like candy corn that has been turned into like a paste. You like mash it, <laughs> okay. sure, and it's like a, a candy spread. corn reduction. Okay, yeah, you spread that on the wow on the uh, bagel. Here's the thing about where we are as a culture in yeah. America in the year of our Lord 2017. I can't be a hundred percent sure that Philadelphia has not made a candy corn cream cheese at this point. Yeah, well, it's you know, yeah. Wow. If you uh, walked into the supermarket and saw that, would you be shocked? No. No. Let me tell you what. You you eat yourself a candy corn infused bagel. Right. You get yourself a cup of coffee. Yeah. That's basically rocket fuel, right? Sure. There. Yeah. No, absolutely. You're going to blast off off of that. Absolutely. Here's my got? question is, if we started having menu items that were specifically named after different Jed characters. Right. Oh, nice. What kinds of things would you get? Like if you like, you know, like a really, really overcooked, just super crispy bagel that's just you can't is that like the legalistic jed i think the legalistic jed uh it would be like a bowl of just bran well yeah right? i think the legalistic wow. jed would be like it'd have to be like gluten-free yes, yes. and paleo and yes. kosher and halal just to be safe right. yes just every possible dietary restriction yes yes it'd yeah. basically be a bowl of gray mush Right. That right. seems reasonable. No flavor of any right, kind. Right, right. Yeah. That seems reasonable. Now, the, the thing about uh, biblical numerology, Jed, so that's a whole menu. Right, but yes. It's a secret. <laughs> right. They don't want you to know about the numerology menu. What they don't want you to know <laughs> is if you order combo number seven, followed by combo number seven, <laughs> followed by combo number <laughs> Seven. Mm. Now you've ordered the God Platter. Whoa. Wow. But woe to the man who orders combo number six, followed by combo number six. Followed by combo number five? Followed by combo number five plus one, which equals six! Whoa. Wow. For it is the platter of man. (laughs) Wow. Yeah, that's pretty... Yeah. Either way, it's just a turkey sandwich and a bowl of soup. <laughs> well, let me <laughs> like to add a little drama to it. Let me tell you what. I don't know if y'all have seen like uh, Chuck E. Cheese. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yes, I'm familiar. Okay. Uh, and I don't know if y'all have seen this. They have this place called Rainforest Cafe. Yep. Yeah. Right. It's like a jungle yes. theme. Uh, so if you combine these two ideas, yes, you get animatronic jungle <laughs> animal. Okay. See what I'm saying? Yeah, are you talking about an animatronic uh, Uncle Glenn leading a jug band made of woodland critters? <laughs> okay, first of all, yes, I have never heard of a better idea than that. <laughs> sure. <laughs> and let me tell you what, that is a license to print money. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, how could you not go to that yeah. like every day? Right. At okay. Glen Eros, that's what they have. Okay. Because, yes. nice yeah, we need to rebrand it. Yeah. That's, yeah. that's Glen Eros bread. I think that's pretty good. Because, it's you know, you go in there, they sell, like, uh, soup. 
Sure. Yeah. You get right. lettuce leaves and, sure, yes. and uh, organic lettuce leaves. All that, you know, there's not a lot of uh, pizzazz. There's not a lot of pizzazz. I think we'd add some showmanship to the, the coffee totally. shop experience. Okay, fog machine. Totally. Sure. That, you got to get that going. Disco ball. Disco ball. Now, you yeah. see what I'm saying? Now yeah. we're getting. Now Animatronic Glenn with the jug band. That, okay, well, now you've got a, a, a product. Can you play skee ball there also? Oh, yeah, you got to have the skee ball. Yes, yes, that makes perfect sense to me. I think this this uh, fake Panera just is costing us a lot of money in renovation. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's you gotta you gotta invest money to make money. Sure, I mean, right. This is, this is well, the way it works. I think based on what we've experienced so far, if there were to be a say that run and themed Panera, which there isn't, I can't stress that enough. But if there were to be. It might be one where you go and expecting a regular Panera, right? And just four unhinged maniacs, <laughs> right? Throw things at you while screaming in weird yeah, voices. The, the Panera of the apocalypse. Yeah, yeah. For like the first twenty minutes here and there, and eventually they actually serve you their sandwich. Okay, I'm gonna put this out there. If you don't like it, you send it right back. Okay? Please, Panera. With a Mad Max theme. Oh well, yeah, right? absolutely. That wow. you will. You want to see that? Sure. Now are Beyond we, are, Bagel Dome. Are bagel we talking Dome. original like '80s Mad Max, or are we talking like the new thing, Fury Road? <laughs> yeah, well, but I, what are we hoarding? Like, what's the thing? Like, is it like candy you, you, corn? Nobody. You have yes. To, yeah, you you have to really go through a trial in order to actually get some candy corn. That's you right. Steal exactly. That from the, what yeah. Panera are you people going to? <laughs> See, here's what it is like. People, normally they go like to the counter. Boom. Let me have a bagel and some coffee. And um, Apple Pay. Yeah. Apple Pay. That's boring. Okay. Right yeah, Nobody right wants that. You got to run the gauntlet. Yes. If you want to get this bagel, yes. you have to engage in a life and death struggle <laughs> with a dude that's got feathers and a mohawk and he's all... <laughs> and he's just... Okay. Coming for you, man. We, we got to have the, the movie trailer Jed break that down for us before okay. we finish this. <laughs> Coming this winter to Glenera. <laughs> Cinnamon Doom Bagel. <laughs> yeah, very nice. Yeah. I think, uh, I. Fellas, I think we've cracked the code once again. I think we're really... On that basis, anything you want to declare? Um, on that basis, I'd like to say I think it's a great idea. Sure, yeah. Sure. I'm going to move on and pretend like you said it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> He's just giving up, y'all. Just, on that basis, I declare an emergency off. I think the, the true hallmark of a Say That Glen Era would be uh, the assistant manager who's just so overwhelmed. That's right. Yes. Just, yeah. Sorry, yes. here's a coupon. Please yeah. don't. Please come back. So uh, if if you're again if you're in Downers Grove four to eight Wednesday November the eighth we promise you won't have to run any kind of gauntlet or be engaged in any kind of post apocalyptic scenario yeah, you see a flyer do we well do we promise that? in many ways uh, all Paneras are a gauntlet that's <laughs> a gauntlet of your own sadness because you're sitting in a Panera well that you'll have to cross the the uh, moat of you know molten uh, ranch dressing. Sure. Yes, yes. Something like that, yeah. <laughs> okay, so that was a lot. Um, yeah. As you can see, folks, um, we, we don't have what you call the business sense. We're not, we're not uh, really going to function in a, in a for-profit environment. 
because these are the kind of ideas we come up with. So, uh, so for now, we're just going to rely on our friends to who subscribe to Bridgebox. Ooh, yeah, oh. to help us keep doing the work we do here with our deacons, with stuff uh, leads to down there with kids in Tennessee. A new Bridgebox is out for the month of November. The topic of which is how am how can I be thankful when things are hard? You've got sermons from Glenn and myself, songs from Jed Lee and many other great friends of ours, Bible studies, and more. Only $8 a month. MissionUSA.com slash Bridgebox. It is the number one way people who like the podcast can support what we're doing. Okay, we're going to jump to our first question here. If you hang out with us all the way to the end, I'll use some ways to get in touch with us. First question comes into our email address, and it says, I serve in the young adults ministry in my local church, so we look after young persons around college age, around 18 to 24. There seems to have been a lot of people attempting suicide in our community lately. Not kids in our college group, but folks on campus and around them. How do I talk to our group about it? And Lee, you uh, you work with a lot of folks in this particular age range, so where would you start with this? Um, yeah, this is a this is a really good question. It's a <clears throat> it's a timely question, and and uh, and we're glad that you know that you guys uh, out there that are experiencing this stuff on the front lines are writing this kind of stuff in and. And it's the kind of stuff that the these are the kind of conversations that we're you know we're in with people that we know, um, because as you say, this is it's it's kind of a it's kind of a thing, it's kind of a trend. And <clears throat> one thing that I will say is, if you want to have the kind of um, the kind of group where where you can engage in these conversations and where you can help people feel equipped with how to deal with it, one of the things that you want to do is you want to have the kind of group that values people's felt needs. And what we mean on that is that when people are with, either if they're in a conversation with you one-on-one, or if you're having the group time where you're leading a Bible study or, or a discussion or something like that, that you always show people so much that you, that you value the things that they feel. Um, one of the things that young people feel all too often from the adults in their lives is, well, your problems aren't that big of a deal. And when you grow up, you'll find out that you that 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 the things that you feel don't really matter that much um and that is a huge problem because um that is a thing that makes people feel completely isolated um one of the things that you know the 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 conversations that we on this podcast and other people that I know that work with with young folks <clears throat> we are in these kinds of conversations with people who do have these who you know have had suicidal thoughts who have uh had you know, times in their life where they've dealt with self-harm, where they've dealt with depression, anxiety, and that kind of stuff. And the reason that we're in those conversations and their parents aren't, or their teachers aren't, or even other people in churches aren't, is because they know that we value their problems, that we think your problems are your real problems. And we respect that, and we want to help you think about them and walk through them. And so <clears throat> you want to have the kind, of, the kind of environment that says what you are going through is a real struggle and it matters to me. And I want to listen to you on that and I want to pray with with you about that and I want to help you find a solution. I want to work with you on that kind of deal. One of the things that our group uh, like our like high school Bible study has kind of stolen from the bridge is we have a we have a question box in the back of the room. This is something that the bridge does. If you listen to the bridge uh, podcast, all of their sermons come from a box in the back of the room where people can write questions in. And that's a kind of thing where uh, people can write a question anonymously if they don't want to talk to you face-to-face, and then you take that and you turn that into next week's lesson. And then they feel like, man, my 
my question was such a big deal that they took time to think about it. They took time to think about what scriptures go with that. They prayed for me over that as they got this thing ready. Like, man, this what I'm going through is a real deal and it and it and it's and it's worth thinking about. And that's how you set up. That's just one kind of uh, way for you to set up the kind of environment where people feel like my the things that I feel and that I'm going through really matter. Um and what we want to do on that, whenever you're, by the way, whenever you're in one-on-one conversation, you've probably, if you've listened to the podcast a lot, you've heard us talk about this, but it's a, it's a really common kind of uh, trick in counseling or with psychology, and that is when people are describing to you the way that they feel, you want to normalize that feeling. What you're going through makes sense to me. It, of course you feel sad. Of course, what you're going through has made you feel down. That makes perfect sense to me. I've been through stuff like that. What, what is terrifying for people when they're feeling this kind of stuff is, what if I'm the only human being who has ever lived that feels like this? When the truth is, we all go through times of loneliness. We all go through times of self-doubt. We all go through times of feeling like, maybe I'm just a giant mistake. Um, and the more that we can make people feel normal for having normal emotions and feeling normal things, the more they will open up to us and give us more clues and we can ask more questions and we can find out more ways to help them. And that's how we set up the kind of environment where you're going to be in these conversations. P.S. If you're in these conversations already, it means you're doing something right. And that's good because not everybody is hearing this stuff. Not every, a lot of people are just getting the front from kids. So if you're having these conversations, you're already in a, in a you're already setting up the right kind of vibe. That's a really really good place to start. And Glenn, I'd love to get to you here. Um, I think one of the things that can be daunting for someone who's in this, as you're saying, this leadership role um, with in a in a church context or religious context is the assumption that it is my job to do the spiritual bit, right? Which is true on some level, but as I think as Lee is saying here. Unfortunately, there's just not enough resources probably going around for your kids for you to be able to specialize in just the spiritual. Right. And maybe spiritual isn't even the best place to start, as he's saying about normalizing. So assuming we're going to—that this is going to follow this youth leader to cover a lot of aspects of this, mm-hmm. the emotional, the physical, all that, where do we start and where do we drive from there? Well, I think we do exactly as Lee is saying here. We have to start with the emotional uh, on this stuff. Uh, it particularly in, to build off of what he's saying, you know, you, if if you devalue people's emotions, mm. you've lost them. Mm-hmm. That's right. And that's that's where a lot of people try to get to the spiritual by devaluing that emotion. You know, they yeah. say, "Well, stop feeling what you're feeling and pray and have faith instead." You know, that's <laughs> you know, like, wow, man, I so just don't feel what I'm feeling. Okay, great. That's not any kind of help of any kind. So. I think uh, it's important for us to recognize, you know, when I when I started in ministry, I was taught you deal with the whole person, body, mind, and soul. You don't get that option to just, uh, you know, narrow your focus down to one thing. Say, ah, you know, I'm I'm going to ignore everything else, or you figure out the rest on your own. Uh, life doesn't work that way. Ministry doesn't work that way. Um, now, it, the the part that we we want to make clear is that the spiritual stuff is the long-term solution. That's that's how we thrive and move ahead from now on. But think of this in more physical terms. If you had a, a person who's an alcoholic and they're drinking and they're constantly getting drunk and whatever, you don't say, well, let's go to church while you're drunk and just, you know, pray and get the, the Jesus in you. 
and then we'll we'll stop drinking at some point. You say, you know what? Let's sober up, and then we'll go to church. You know, so we're starting with the physical, and we're driving towards the spiritual. Well, we know some people whose first instinct has been, <laughs> I should bring my drunk cousin to church. That's right, but it doesn't. It's not effective. It really. We've seen that not work. So <laughs> we can don't say do that. firsthand. That's <laughs> yeah. not an effective strategy. Yeah, it's it, you're you're better off to recognize. Uh, let's address the physical. Of course, you need the Lord in your life in order to stay off of drugs and alcohol long term. So we're. it's not like because we're starting with one end of this spectrum that we'll never get to the other end. Mm-hmm. That's, just, that's just crazy thinking we see some ministry professionals get into. Um, it's important to know how much help you can actually give. This is really important. What is it that you can do if somebody wants to commit suicide or somebody has a friend that did commit suicide and you're trying to counsel them, um, there isn't a magic wand that you wave over people. There are not magic words that you say that cause them to want to go from uh, I'm depressed and want to kill myself to I love life. This is a process where you're planting seeds. This is a process where you're doing everything you can on your end, but you recognize that you have limitations within that. And I think it's also important uh for a lot of Christians who may be listening to this to recognize if you don't have experience in counseling and you don't have training in counseling and you don't know what to say, it's okay to find someone who does right, and bring them into this process. Our that, friends in the medical profession would go by first do no harm. Right. That's a very good model also for flapping your gums. That's right. It's... Uh, uh, it's a great strategy, a really great strategy to talk to a friend, get them, uh, as exactly as Lee is saying, get to that point where they're, they're trusting you and stuff is coming out, and then say, okay, you and I together will go to a counselor, or you and I together will go to uh, a pastor or whoever that person needs to be, and you'll tell them what you told me, and I'll help you remember stuff, and then I'll exit the process, and you can continue with that, and we can go do a Bible study and work on the spiritual stuff. So bringing in other people, I think, is going to be key. Um, And this is super important. I'm going to end on this. Don't try to give a theology of suicide. Mm. That's uh, that's an instinct I see uh, out there a lot of like, well, you know, what what is this? If we turn to the story of Samson. Yeah. uh, This is a time for comforting people that are hurting. And... This is not about, let me... Uh, and people will ask you theological questions. Is this person in heaven? Were they not in heaven? Is this what... That's not the right time in that moment to say, well, let's turn to our Bibles and start having a theological discussion. Right. There's an emotional elephant in the room that needs to be ad- addressed. Let's deal with that and work our way to the spiritual from there. Yeah, I think it's a really, really great point. It's also worth pointing out... Um, Friends, they're, they're, the Bible doesn't talk about suicide. Right. There's the one story, there's a couple things you're trying to remember, but uh, nor in the Bible does it say, suicide is naughty. Yeah. Now it is. It's bad. Right. We don't want you to do that. We don't want your friends to do that. But as Glenn's pointing out, so not only is giving a theological taxonomy of suicide a bad idea, in order to do that, someone would inherently have to be a little dishonest about yeah. what's in the Bible. 
Yeah, yeah. You're, it's always a bad idea to stretch things mm-hmm. to try and to make get them it to fit, fit the situation. And when it's a really emotionally fraught situation, right. that's a good yeah. point to say, "Hey, let's not do let's not do that right now." Yeah, as you're saying, is turn the conversation to the thing the Bible has a lot to say about, which is comfort and being there for people and hope right. and all that. You're much better off doing that than trying to stretch uh, some verse out of Habakkuk to apply directly to this situation. And Jed, I'll, I'll go to you on this, and I think the. Glenn brings up some very good points about some natural tendencies that people mm. who are dealing with this the first time may have and why we want to combat those. I think there are a few more of those we need to look at, one of which is kind of um, the attitude, the stance you as the person in charge need yeah. to have. So there, there's some temptation, as these guys are saying, to, as the woman say with the theological thing, be very firm and we got it and it's no big deal and dismissive but there's such a thing as going too far the other way on that sure and i think maybe if we look at that we'll it'll help us find the center absolutely absolutely well we're we're praying for you you're dealing with tough stuff and and it's it is hard to be a person in leadership in the midst of really difficult challenging things going on um you know we're blessed. We work in very volatile environments and, you know, most of the time things are actually relatively smooth, oddly enough, but on at a fairly routine basis, something truly awful does happen. Um, you know, we, we do deal with folks, unfortunately, who take their own lives. We deal with folks who take other people's lives, you know, we, you know, and so on a fairly regular clip, we have to address uh, a group of people on something horrible has happened. Um, and now we must talk about it. And so it's worth knowing kind of, how do you, how do you do that? And how do you approach it? And you asked that, you said, how do I talk to our group about it? Well, the first thing is you need to be really clear on what your goals are. You know, the, the funny thing is when something really tough happens, I think, you know, there's an instinct for people in leadership to say, well, we've got to say something. Which, in a sense, is true. I mean, it is weird to just ignore that something terrible has happened. That's a bad idea. But you actually don't want to just say something. You, you yeah. want to be very clear on what are the goals that we're trying to accomplish here. What's, what's the thing that we're trying to communicate? So, like, in this case, if you have, you know, you, you're 15 kids in the youth group and you want to, you know, we're going to start this meeting and take five minutes and we're going to talk about this for a second. Uh, there's a bunch of stuff that actually could make sense. You know, you could want them to know, um, you know, uh, here is the number for the National Suicide Hotline Prevention. Um, you know, just I want all of you to know it. I want you to memorize it. It's super super important. It's a great resource for you and for anybody that you know. That would be a, a good goal. The idea of, you know, if you feel like you're going through stuff and, and nobody gets and understands, I want you to know I'm all, you can call me 24 hours a day. No use my cell phone, you know, no matter what. That would be a great thing. But we almost can't speak effectively if we don't know what it is we're trying to accomplish. So we, we need to, to start with that. But the other thing that we need to do is to recognize that we have to get our own heart and mind into an okay into an okay place before we're going to be able to effectively address other people. Mm. One of the things that a leader does is a leader defines reality for the people that they're leading. Um, a, a leader defines what it is that we're dealing with, and that that depends on um, their attitude and their emotional tenor actually more than the words they say. You, you've probably heard before that most of communication is nonverbal, and that's that's true. The kids in your group are probably a little bit freaked out. That would that would make sense. If you stand up to, to give the five-minute talk before we get into the regular youth group stuff about this, the number one thing that actually they're going to be trying to read on you is, are you freaked out about this? Right. That's the thing that they are going to try and read. And don't fake off. 
Um, if, if you're freaked out, they're going to pick up on that, which means kind of your primary responsibility to leader starts with saying, how do I get to a place where I'm not freaked out? That doesn't mean mm-hmm. unaffected because that's too far in the opposite direction. I will now stand and be the leader bot. That's, that's weird. But you, before you're ready to address them, you need to go, maybe this involves talking to your pastor, maybe it just involves you and your prayer time, but you actually have to get to a place where you are in a stable place where you're not freaked out. Because otherwise, A, they're going to read your freak out, but also it means that inevitably what you say is going to be about meeting your emotional needs rather than their emotional needs. And it can't work at that point. It it, it can't actually help them because it's about you, not them. And it won't really help you either because that's not the right place or context for you to get your emotional needs met. So when we're in leadership and something really, really rough happens and we need to address it, A, we need to be crystal clear on the concrete goals we are trying to achieve here because we can't possibly hope to achieve them if we don't know what they are. But the second thing is we have to work on our own heart and mind to get to a place where we have some sense of peace, some sense of groundedness so that we can lead the people under our charge. That's a really fantastic place to land that. I think that ties in exactly to what these other guys are saying as you're talking about. I think it's very important to say the, the goal in what you're saying is not to um, affect the the countenance of someone who's not freaked out. It's to do the work, that's conversations, that's prayer of getting to the point where you are not freaked out. Yeah. The number one way that's probably going to involve um, having an idea of what your goals and plan is for this time. If your goal is to go in there and, you know, make sure that none of these kids is freaked out. That's not a great goal as, as Glenn and uh, Lear saying, but if you say, well, we have some concrete steps, we're going to give you a number. We're going to pray. And that's, that's defining my goals, which I have set. that really goes a long way towards helping you be calm and project that kind of calmness of yeah. leadership of here's what we're doing. Here's why we're doing it. We've, we've talked this over as a team. We know what that is. And that goes a long, long way on that. I think it's going to transition into uh, our next question. This comes in in that same email. This is this person says, the follow-up to that is most of the hard things in this community are happening with two degrees of separation, as in they're not happening to the kids I work with, they are happening to their friends. How do I equip the young people I work with to support their friends and loved ones who are going through a rough time? I think there's a good chance to take this out of the realm of the, uh, the suicide, self-harm, depression thing, but let's look at this, and Glenn, I'd love to start with you because you do a lot of this in your work of how do we equip the people we're working with to go out and help other people who we're never going to, we may never interact with, but as far as right. you do a lot of that, as far as, but as far as ministry strategy, as far as what you train people to do, what are the things you start with on that? Well, yeah, I actually get a lot of phone calls like this from professionals where they say, you know, I have some sort of weird thing I've never dealt with before. Have you dealt with it? And I and I make those phone calls as well. I mean, mm-hmm. these these are kind of things that professionals do with each other. Is, uh, you know, I just got hit with a scenario I've never dealt with before. Have you dealt with this? And if so, what's the key, you know, uh, way to deal with that? Uh, and if if you make that phone call to me, uh, I will probably ask you twenty questions before I start telling you anything about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, because the thing that's most important is to understand the nature of what's going on before you try and say anything about it. The more you understand, the more simple and more precise and the more effective you can be with a lot less words, you know, it's because you're able to just really hit the nail on the head. The only way to get there is listening. Mm. So therefore, listening is the most important thing to do. 
Here's the funny thing is it's also the easiest thing to do. Mm-hmm. I mean, you, uh, just sitting there and saying, well, tell me about it. And, and, and resisting that urge to pontificate, res- resisting that urge to sermonize when people are, you know, because they'll ask you for it. They'll say, well, I just need somebody to tell me what to do about the situation. Eh, I don't know. But uh, tell me more, you know, that kind of thing of, of uh, giving them a, a, an opportunity to work through some of that themselves and see mm-hmm. some of it for themselves uh, to, so that they feel like they're in, involved in the process of working this thing out. Uh, second thing I would say on that is focus on root causes, not symptoms, not final outcome. So when people come to me and say, uh, you know, if I'm at the jailhouse, the, some, a guy might say, I'm here because I, uh, you know, stole something. I stole something because I was high at the time and I was high at the time uh, because, you know, I just, I'm a bad person and I'm always making dumb decisions. I said, well, okay, I'm, I'm hearing a lot of drama and I'm hearing a lot of serious uh, bad and the guilt and a lot of shame and the... T- but how did we get here? Well, I'm just, you know, and we might you trace that back. Well, I got high this time because my grandmother passed away and she was the only one who loved me and understood me. I'm like, well, wait a second. As Lee was talking about in the previous question, now all of this makes perfect sense. Mm-hmm. Now th- I, we can normalize this. We're taking the sting out of it. We're not all wound up on the drama of it. It just, now it's logical. Of course, that's, you know. Yes, you took a wrong turn there, but heck, it was reasonable. It make you know it, it, there, but for the grace of God, go I. Uh, so, I want to focus on the grief element of that, not the getting high, not the stealing, not the getting arrested, not the you know. I want to deal with the original root problem, and that's hard because people don't bring you the root problem; they bring you the final result. Yeah. And the final result is often a sticky, hairy, ugly, nasty sin mm-hmm. that there's lots of Bible verses that you could talk about. But uh, Grandma passed away, and she was a wonderful woman, and what do we do with that? We don't want to talk about that because we can't Bible that nearly as well. So I think you have to always be going back to the root causes and, and uh, not be talking about the symptoms of that. Final little thing on this is you got to break the spell. That's key. Uh, when your um, super quick story, uh, there there was a a, a guy. A, a lot of grief, a lot of uh, um, really extreme negativity, especially in a suicide uh, type situation, is someone gets in a loop in their mm-hmm. head and they just can't break out of that loop. So it's like a self hypnosis in a way. They just can't break out of it. It's just a cycle that they can't break free from. And uh, trying to find ways to intervene in that is is the so it's not about solving the problem or getting inside that headspace. It's often about getting them outside of their own mm-hmm. thought process. There's a million different ways to do that. But a very quick example of what I'm talking about is uh, I'm a um, prison chaplain. I'm young. I'm totally inexperienced. I have no idea what I'm doing. I come to work, and a guy has gotten a knife, uh, like a, a, a sharp knife, out of the kitchen of the facility, he's barricaded himself in a room. They have classrooms in here because it's mm. juveniles, in a in a school classroom in the facility, and he's uh, he's threatening to kill anyone who comes in, and he's trying to kill himself, and he's literally you know going at it and trying to to uh, to to 
cut his wrist. So I I literally walk in and they're like, "Hey, Chaplin, guess you're what? Up. <laughs> you're up." So we're gonna lock you in the room with a guy with a sharp knife, and uh, you know, uh, yeah, why don't you say something? Uh, you know, uh, <laughs> exegete something. Yeah, that's right. And I walked in, and he points a knife at me, which you know got my. Uh, it's like all my attention was focused in that moment. In, like a point? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And we're so, just drifting off. God, I'm sorry. I, th- I think about the game. Yeah, I I sat down. Uh, he was sitting on the on the floor, sort of in the corner, and I sat down opposite him, maybe six or eight feet away, so that he could see I wasn't going to try and grab him, grab the knife, and I just sat there. And I didn't say a word. He didn't say a word, and I didn't say a word, and he didn't say a word. And then I told him, "This is not a joke." I told him the dirtiest joke that I knew. He laughed, he dropped the knife, and he just immediately started bawling his eyes out because it just broke the spell, you know, and, and I, mm. I hugged on him and stuff, and we walked out, and of course, everyone wanted to know what were the magic words that I told him. I said, well, you know, that's a... Very spiritual. That's a, it's a trade secret, you know what I mean? Yes. That's a, you don't need to know how I do what I do. It's just magic, and you just, <laughs> you know. But um, it, it, getting people outside of that headspace... We yeah. can't violate what Lee was talking about in the previous question. We do want to value what they're talking about. We want to break them out of that uh, cycle that they're in. Yes, absolutely. It does not have to be done through the medium of filthy joke. But it doesn't hurt. Yeah. Then, you know, that's just how that works. And Lee, I'd love to go to uh, you on this because I think Glenn's given some really good stuff to think about there. But I want to relate it back to something we were talking about in the last question, which is um, how important attitude is. So you work with a lot of teenagers who are, uh, bless them, they're essentially animals. (laughs) Um, So, But there's a lot of stuff that we we want to tell them. We want to tell them how this. But maybe, as Jed was saying, far more important is what we model to them. And as far as equipping them to kind of do, as Glenn is saying, a very low-level, basic listening ministry, which basic though it is, is incredibly impactful. What are the things that as a leader, as someone who has as a friend, you want to model to them in the hopes that they'll pick up on that? Well, uh, I, I think that's a great that's a great way to ask that. And uh, I actually had just tonight, we have we have like our, you know, our our Sunday evening meeting with the high school group. And, you know, just in the course of our discussion, uh, you know, I wound up kind of giving them, you know, some, here's an example from my past and, you know, and, and an adult who reached out to me and, and, and was cool about some stuff from, from my past. And it, and it showed me like, oh man, this person's down and they're not judging me and I can talk to them. And, and I was just kind of telling the group how, like, for some reason that just kind of opened up everything for me. And I realized this is the first older person in my life that I feel like doesn't just want to know, uh, did you get your homework done? How was practice? But they want to like, just talk to me about my life. And, Mm -hmm. and, you know, and I was just kind of talking about how good it felt to know that somebody was down, somebody understood that, you know, it made sense that I was into certain things that I was into. And, um, and, and did you want to talk some more about what's really going on and how that just unlocked everything for me? So about 20 minutes after we dismissed, everybody left, and I got a message on the Snapchat from one of the kids that was in the room and just said, hey, could we, could we meet and talk? And I'm like, sure. Well, you know, what, what's going on? You all right? And, and this kid said, yeah, it, it's all right. It's just I realized uh, I, I've got some heavy stuff on me that I've never talked to anybody about, and um, I just feel like after what we talked about tonight, I feel like you would be cool. If if I talk to you about that, 
And I was like, absolutely. Let's definitely talk. We made a, we made an appointment, you know, when we're going to get together and, you know, and unload all that stuff. And I think that's such a huge part of it is, um, can I be the kind of person who is, who is down? I mean, Glenn's example about the dirty joke, you know, it's, it's one of those things. It's like, it's, the, the, the dirty joke is, is, is a way to say, look, I'm not what you think. You know that, that, and that's that's what that whole thing does. Is yeah, it it changes the channel from what the dude's thinking, but it also demonstrates. Look, I'm not here to tell you that that you're awful and that you're bad and that you deserve everything bad to happen to you, and and I hope it gets worse. And I think that's what people are afraid of. It's why, it, you know, when you look at like when when sin first came into the world, the very first thing they did, they hid. That's the result mm-hmm, of shame. Mm-hmm. The result of shame is hiding. And so if we can draw people out of hiding by showing I'm down and I don't have any problem with you and I have a past too, so I don't have any place from which to judge you. And as much as we can coach that to the people that, that we're working with, then, then we're going to be able to help those two degrees out. If I can, uh, you know, one of the things that, that, we, that, that we talk about with, with the leaders that we train is when you're talking to a high school kid and they unload something on you, don't ever be shocked by sin. Don't ever have that look on your face that's like, what? And, and I tell them, even if you're feeling that on the inside, because you never would have dreamed of doing something like that or whatever, I mean, I can't really relate to you, but if that's your story, don't show it on your face. Whatever is happening inside your, your brain, on your face, you just go, uh-huh, what, what, what's next? What happened after that? Yeah, it makes sense. That seems, that seems reasonable. Um, if we can do that, then we invite, we, we kind of draw people out and we, and we show them this is a safe place for me to be honest. And there's no ceiling to how good it can be if a person feels like I'm safe here to be honest. That's absolutely fantastic point. And Jed, I think one of the things that both these guys were driving at that's it's worth exploring a little bit more is when we're trying to equip people to do these these things, to, whether that be volunteers or just our friends or just people in a group. Um, one of the things I think we found when we've done a, some training or just talking with people, my, people come and volunteer the bridge to do more of this, is uh, it takes us back to both, what both these guys are saying, which is you're going to end up doing a lot less than you think, yeah. In the sense of, it's not as as Glenn is saying about speechifying or pontificating. It's not as Lee says um, about you know having a really st- strong confrontation and mm-hmm. uh, calling out mm-hmm. sin and whatnot. There's a lot of listening. There's a lot of kind of other stuff. But how do we prepare people to to do that? To say this is not as dramatic as you think it is. This is not mm-hmm. going to be as crazy as you think it is. But it can still have a big impact. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, I think we actually, in a weird way, we begin with humility. And here's what I mean when I say that. We want to help somebody. We want to start by asking what of their needs are already being met, right? So um, there are uh, there are situations like the one Glenn described where there is one need. This dude is actively trying to take his own life, and we need someone to get in there and do something about it right now. But there are plenty of situations where actually we've got trained professionals like Glenn that are already on the case. So we have, we have that covered. So then we want to ask, what else does there need to happen? Christians, they want to help, but they often have a struggle with they want to be the star of the show, 
They 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 want to do the the big good impressive high octane help um, rather than asking well what needs haven't been met here and and what can we do about those needs which is actually that's the place we want to begin and that involves humility. So I'll tell you a story that is actually the polar opposite of, of the story that, that Glenn was telling you, just to show you the opposite side of that equation. I have a very close friend of mine, we'll call him Bill, and Bill went through a very rough period in his life. He's actually doing great today, which is amazing, but this was some years ago, man, he went through a rough time. And, and, and Bill um, had a number of suicide attempts, and he was uh, in a number of psychiatric wards um, in this area. And so uh, because he's a dear friend of mine, I, I have been to visit in a number of psychiatric wards in this area. And here's the thing about that is Bill, um, uh, he's, he's in a, a secure locked control facility, and he has a psychiatrist. Uh, he doesn't need me to go in there and be a psychiatrist. I am also not that, so I couldn't do it even if he needed it, but That's right. he, he doesn't need that. He also has a counselor there, so he doesn't, he doesn't need me to do that. <laughs> he has a pastor, so he doesn't need me to come in and do that. The thing that I am is Bill's friend, mm. and so I can actually go and I can just be Bill's friend. I, I can do yeah. that piece of it. Say that. So what I did, here's the, the super high octane thing that I did. I, I went to the uh, locked down psychiatric ward during the visiting hours and we went and we watched TV together. We sat on the couch. I think Family Feud was on and um, we just hung out uh, and cracked jokes. And at a certain yep. point they said, well, visiting hours are over. So stood up, gave Bill a big hug, said, love you, buddy. Praying for you. And then I left. That's right. Yeah. But this is the thing. That's what Bill needed from me. Heck yeah. You you could feel human again off of stuff like that. That's the thing of it is, you know, when people are going through a really, really rough time, one of the things that can happen is they begin to feel like that struggle is their whole life. Mm-hmm. And and in a sense, that's them. They they are their weirdness in a way. Yeah. Well, they're not. You, right. What you know, you know, we've all on a micro level, we've all experienced this. If you have a bad cold for more than a couple of days, at a certain point, you can't remember a time you didn't have a bad cold. Yeah. You can't remember <laughs> what it's like to not be sick. I mean, you know, intellectually that you will feel better again, but it's just in your mind, in your emotions, you have always been the person with the runny nose and the sore throat. Right. And, you know, when folks are going through a rough time, it's really easy for them to feel like this is my whole life and everything about me. And that's how everybody else sees me, too. And to to be able to be a friend and just just live normal life together. We're going to watch TV together, get ice cream and not have it be about this big struggle in your life. The the gift of just being cool, being present and, and, and being loving. And you can do that. That requires no training. The one thing it requires is the humility to not need to be the star. That's it. That's yeah. the only thing it requires is the humility to just to just be a friend and not be anything past that. There will be times in your life where you will need to do more than that. But honestly, if we start as our default mode with just being that friend who is supportive and present, and then we learn and grow by asking questions, and then we learn and grow by talking to our pastor, we will be more prepared for those other times anyway. But we start with humility, figuring out what people, what needs they don't have met, and figuring out how we can, in humility, meet those needs. That is really, really great way to tile that up. I'll bring that back to our our first question here, and it's kind of a, a, what can I do, and then what can I help my friends do because it does go to that you need to have a plan you need to have some things you can do uh, jed's going to the psych ward knowing he is just going to hang out with this dude he's not 
intending to pastor him nor uh, be a psychiatrist. And that really helps. And there are a lot of things you can do in that that seem small, but are are this. And I, when I answer this question offline with a, a email to a friend, I gave an example of a lot of stuff we do at the bridge is plugging someone into an existing social service, be that housing, be that jobs, be that, you know, uh, addiction recovery or whatever that is. Uh, but part of what, uh, especially our friends Pete and Tasha do that's, that's amazing is knowing that system. So they say, you're going to go over here and it's, you know, you're going to have to wait for a couple hours. And I know that sucks, but it's no big deal. And you guys, you know, talk to so-and-so there and they're really nice. So don't worry about that. And then, you know, and then, but your appointment's not for two weeks. So I'm going to call you next week and we'll remember our appointment and all those little things you can do. That's a huge help. Mm-hmm. To someone, you say, well, "What can I do?" As Jed is saying, find those little mm-hmm. those little gaps. And a lot of what that tends to be along the time is uh, is just being a friend, is just listening, is just hanging out. So when we and that applies to when we try to help the people we're working with do that for other people, it is contextualizing that of your job is not to be the pastor. Your job is not to be the counselor. The pastor's the pastor. What do we pay him for? He can get off his butt and go down there and have smart stuff to say. You get to do the watching TV and ice cream part. Yeah, because nobody's paying you. So yeah. you do that part. Yeah. And that helps us give this fully formed idea, I think these guys are saying, of help and ministry, which is a fantastic place to start. Okay, we're going to go to our final question here. It comes in anonymously, and this one says, I don't know the whole Bible or even much about church, and I especially feel like I don't know how to pray the right way. How do I get started on that? And Jed, why don't you start us off? Well, I think you and me would uh, be friends because I don't know the whole Bible either. So I think we're yeah, me neither. I, I think we're in this thing together. I don't. Um, there's always more to learn, and uh, uh, prayer is something. Um, I don't know if there is a right way to pray, but prayer is something that you get better at because it's a conversation. And you know, the better you get to know somebody, the better you are at having a conversation with them. Um, I definitely don't know everything about church. I was a preacher's kid. So like I was basically born in church. So there's always more, man. So if, um, if, if you're, if you're picturing that in the Bane voice, so am I. <laughs> Some of the people put on the church, but Jed was born in it, formed by it. <laughs> you, you think the church is your ally. <laughs> Absolutely. Here, here's the one thing that I, that I would encourage you to, um, to, to start with is um, you can start, if you know the old song, Jesus Loves Me, you can start with that. Or if you don't know that song, you can start with John 3.16. And John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world, he gave his one and only Son, whoever believed in him would not perish but have everlasting life. It's probably the most famous verse in the Bible. If you know, again, either the words to Jesus loves me and or that verse I just quoted, and if you didn't know it, now you do. Uh, this is the thing. You actually know the important bits. You've got the key stuff down. Now, here's the funny thing. The stuff that comes before that in the Bible gives a ton of context of where that statement's coming from. Stuff that comes after it gives a ton of explanation of what it means and how it works. It's all valuable. It's all worth knowing. And, you know, you should learn a bit of it as you grow. There's always more to learn. You'll never get to the end of it, and nobody has, so that's okay. But this is the key thing. You'll never, ever learn anything that contradicts it. You'll never, ever learn anything that upends it. And if somebody tries to tell you something that upends it, they're wrong. The words to Jesus loves me go, Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. Little ones to him belong. They are weak, but he is strong. Yes, Jesus loves me. You will never, ever, ever read anything in the Bible that contradicts that. 
You'll never read anything in the Bible that contradicts John 3.16. Again, you'll read all kinds of stuff, and you'll encounter stuff in church that will give context, nuance, flavor, all kinds. And it's it's cool. You know, it, it, it that can have a real impact. But anybody who's selling you something that uh, goes in the opposite direction uh, from, again, either Jesus loves me or John 3.16, uh, actually, they're the person who doesn't know the Bible, and you can be confident in that. So it's, it's, a, it's a long journey, but it's one that you can undertake with confidence, and we've got your back. Absolutely right. And uh, Leah, I'd love to you go to you here and kind of build off that, because exactly as uh, Jed is saying, um, when something feels intimidating, as Christianity does, everyone who's new, and it's it's easy for us to be new in this room not to forget that, that uh, ex- that advice to start small is very good, to start with some basics. So where do we go on, what's the next step? So step one is Jesus loves me, what's the next move? You know, it's really cool, uh, as Jeb was talking to you about, something that happens in John chapter 3, and in the very next chapter, Jesus actually has a conversation with a one-on-one conversation with a woman who felt very on the outside. And I don't know what's up with you people, and I don't know what's up with this whole God thing. I don't know how to do this right and everything. And Jesus said a really cool thing to her. He said that the Father, he's talking about God, he says the Father is looking for worshipers who worship in spirit and in truth. Um, that's a cool statement, because, and, and, and it kind of gives us some information on how to start, because what he's saying is, He's saying, whatever there is, like like Jed said, whatever there is to learn about prayer or whatever there is to learn about the Bible or whatever there is to learn about church, and there's, like Jed's saying, there's always more, and nobody has a handle on all of it. Wherever we start, however small you start, if we can, if we can be honest with God, we're Amen. always moving in the right direction. Amen. What Jesus said this, to this woman was, I know you feel like you're on the outside. I know you feel like an outcast. I know you feel like you don't know what's going on. Let me give you a little secret. Here's what God wants from you. He wants the real you. Mm-hmm. That's what he wants. He's, that's what he's looking for. He's looking for the real you. So prayer is just having a conversation with, with God, as Jed said. So whatever you say or whatever you don't say, uh, you know, like what, whatever you've got to talk to God about, just be yourself. You don't have to dress it up. It doesn't have to sound churchy. It doesn't have to sound impressive. If you have no vocabulary, but you just have a scream because you're so frustrated, then go to him with that. That's what we, where, whatever steps you take, don't take steps that seem churchy or seem Christian or seem whatever that aren't true, because that's, that's the one thing. However small or big steps you take, Jesus told this lady, what God wants is he wants the real you. So just keep it real wherever we go. And then the other thing that I would say on starting small is when you go to a church or you're around other Christians or whatever, or you're around people at work or people in your life, look for somebody who needs some help and help them. That's going to be a way that you're going to move forward. So let's start Let's start by being ourselves, being being honest, whatever that looks like. If it's messy, no problem. God has no problem with messes, if it's, if it's, you know, if it's got some salty language in it, whatever the deal is, if you don't know what you're supposed to say, tell him that. Just keep it you. Keep it true, keep it you, and then look for somebody to help. Um, and that's going to, those are going to be some steps that are going to get you on your way. 
a really fantastic point. I'd love to get you to close us out on this. Um, let, I think looking at this through the lens of prayer is actually really good. This person says, you know, I don't know a lot about uh, Christian stuff, about church stuff, so I feel like I don't know how to pray, mm. which, as we're saying, makes sense. That is yeah. an aspect of Christianity. So if you don't know the the other stuff, how could you do this part effectively? Um, as, as, Je- as Lee and Jed are both saying, prayer is a conversation. I think maybe we who are in church stuff we know what we mean by that. It doesn't mm-hmm. have to be formal. It doesn't have to, you know, have a have a structure. And but I wonder to someone from the outside, would that be in, would that be that much of a comfort if you say, well, you just go into this place you don't know with this person you've never met, and you have a conversation with them? Right. Uh, it's not. It's not that comforting. So if we're going to go to the Bible, if we're going to look to to a church for maybe for the first time, let's look at that through the lens of prayer. How do we get to know God? who is inherently unknowable, how do we start off with that in a way that gets us closer to him? Well, uh, you know, I, I'd start with what uh, Jed was saying about Scripture. Scripture gives us an insight into God's heart, into his character. I don't know that we read Scripture with that in mind very often. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'd love for you to just reread the Gospels and just list out, here's the kind of dude that Jesus is, you yeah. know, and and really look at it from, you know, you know, he he says, well, you want to know what happens when you backslide? I'm going to tell you a story about a prodigal son. And it ends with a prodigal son. He goes away. He's a schmuck. He comes back. And there's a party. There's a celebration. There's rejoicing. My my son was lost, and now he's found. He's dead, and now he's alive. There's a killer fatted calf. We're going to have a party. We're going to celebrate. It's a feast. And there's rejoicing. Um, so if you read that story and in your brain, you're going to God to confess something that you did and you don't picture rejoicing happening on the other end of that line, what you've done is you have, uh, made an assumption about God's character that is false. Mm -hmm. If you have a false assumption in your brain about God, your prayer life is going to (laughs) suck. (laughs) <laughs> okay spare us no. the technical talk Glenn. <laughs> here's what I'm saying God you probably don't want to bless me you probably don't want to give me anything good but here's the thing that I want if you assume that he doesn't want to give it to you you're going to say a bunch of dumb stuff acting, talking all kind of nonsense and craziness and whatever, just going all wandering around me. if you think God can't wait to squash you and you, he's waiting for the moment where you come and confess it, and then he's going to squash you. Like he's got a, you know, like he can't find you wherever you're at, and he didn't already know that you did it and whatever. But if you come to, I know you're not going to believe this, God, but I I screwed up again. Well, I'm God. I know everything. I saw this coming, you know, whatever. But you have that picture in your mind of how God is that is false. Your end of this conversation is going to be. <laughs> Uh, lost and confused and counterproductive and whatever. You, if you want to know who's bad at their prayer life is people who don't know how to have a real relationship with God because they don't know the real God. So yes, that's through Scripture. Uh, yes, that is through um, a, a good sermon, a, a good a godly counsel that, that we're getting from other people interpreting that Scripture to us. Uh, and it also can be in prayer in terms of listening to Him. It, it might be good if you really listened in, in that prayer time for you, for you to 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 hear the Lord tell you that you your assumptions are wrong about His character and stuff. Uh, so really, you're talking about getting to know the Bible and getting to know church stuff. I, I'm talking about getting to know Jesus. That would be really helpful for that prayer stuff that you're talking about. 
Uh, as Jed said, you won't ever know all that Bible stuff. Uh, there's plenty, plenty of stuff in the Bible I don't know. Uh, I'm not a Bible right. scholar. There's There are lots and lots of people who know more about it than me. Uh, I would suggest that a lot of those people know more obscure Bible facts than I do. That doesn't mean that they understand it. That's a different thing. Knowing a Bible fact is not the same thing as understanding it. And here's the thing. It's definitely not the same as living it. Come on. Just because you know it, that's, we're not crediting that to you as righteousness. It's when you step out of faith and actually do the dang thing that's written in the book. And here's what I'd like to tell you. I read stuff in the Bible all the time. I'm like, I'm not doing that. Nope. <laughs> Just Forgive nope. who? Yeah, no. no. I, My well, enemies, I hate those guys. Right. I mean, I will say, you know, you know how you do. You Christian it. You say, well... I'm I'm gonna work on that one, you know. Put sure. that put it on the list for sure. Your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus. Whoa, yeah, whoa, no, that's hey, not that, that's that's right out. Whoa. Okay, oh, okay, I'll put it on the list. I, you know, you know, it's sure, where four bottom. or five decades we'll get there. That's right. So you know, I'm reading all kinds of amazing things in that Bible that I'm not living by. So. Just because I know that that is there doesn't mean that I'm somehow a better Christian. Uh, you, you know, it's it's when I get to the point of living it out that that I there's uh, something impressive to that. And finally, you're talking about you don't know the whole Bible, you don't know uh, everything about church. You don't know, need to know anything about church. There's, there's <laughs> nothing of use to that. Uh, rites and rituals and ceremonies that were never written down in scripture as a thing that you need to do is not terribly important. It's worth knowing the doctrine of the church that you go to, because it might not be that great of a doctrine, and it's it's important to figure that out. Uh, you can go to your pastor, you can uh, you know ask questions of people in that de- uh, church or denomination, they can spell that out for you. Uh, but and as w- always, you can email us with the link to the thing, and we're sure. happy to look it over for you. Yeah, we can we can give you a basic rundown of uh, strengths and weaknesses, and 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 uh, different kinds of uh, giant honking red flags. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and different <laughs> denominations and churches have different cultures and different mm-hmm. things that they emphasize. So that it's it may be important to figure out, like, you know, does that click with you? Something like that. I think that's sort of a lower level concern there, but. Uh, I think what you're talking about is if I know more church culture, I would be more accepted by the people in the church. And here's the thing I like to tell you about that as we're walking away. Church folk don't do acceptance very well. Mm-hmm. They don't They don't say like, wow, you're like, you know a Bible thing, and you are like really churchy? And so you know what? Whoa. You're in. You're in. Well done. Here's your patch, and you get to sew the patch on your sleeve or something. There's none of that. There's just envious people are not going to let you rise up. They're going to try and look more impressive than you, and it's like a this crazy one-upsmanship or whatever. Uh, that you don't you don't want to get on that roller coaster at all. It's those things are not important. Uh, understanding God's heart, understanding His character. And wrestling with how do I live out the things that he's asking me to live out, that's what makes a good Christian. And I'm sure that's really where your heart is at. Do that, and you're going to be as fine a Christian as anybody on this podcast. Uh, Probably. I think you'll get 
past the people on the podcast of like day three. Oh yeah, no it's not not that tough. Not a high bar to clear, but we're gonna believe in you nonetheless. Yeah, one of the things it's it's one of the things about God's character we can say for sure and is all the scripture is he he's gonna give you what you need to do what he's calling you to do. Right, right. So right. you say I don't understand everything about all this stuff, and that's cool as we're saying this is a journey, this growth. You you I can promise you you understand enough to do what you need to do today as far as prayer, as far as the Bible, as far as helping out at church, whatever. God's going to give you what you need today. Now you name you're probably going to need more tomorrow, and that's okay. But don't uh, do not be uh, ashamed of small beginnings, as it says in that book. All right, if you have a question for us, say at podcast@gmail.com, thebridgechicago.tumblr.com. We're taking out the song this week. This uh, is a little encouraging little tune about some of the stuff we've been talking about today. This is from our uh, Bridge Loud. Ooh, catalog of songs nice. you can catch that if you happen to be an insomniac who lives in the south chicago land area or you can catch on the podcast on fridays if you're not up at three o'clock in the morning you can catch the bridge loud this song is called this time is different we'll take out with that thanks for listening to this one where we love you god loves you there's nothing you can do about it to say that podcast is like candy corn for your soul yeah <laughs> yes yes